from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. Real quick, we're going to do our hit and miss with our good friend Peter Adams in just a minute, but I wanted to just get your quick thoughts on something that I've been thinking about a little bit post-Olympics and everyone talking about, um, you know, Simone Biles as the the next brand, the greatest of all time, and sort of missing out on this notion of, hey, don't forget about Allison Phoenix, Allison Felix, who is, you know, we're going to be talking about sports marketing later on in the second segment, spotlight segment. And I was doing a little bit of research on her. I mean, it's a pretty amazing story, right? So five-time Olympian, 11 gold medals, most decorated female track athlete of all time, started a lifestyle brand called Sayish, S-A-Y-S-H, and, you know, is putting out shoes and apparel and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's very interesting. I was contemplating, you know, could Allison Felix get to that Michael Jordan sort of jump man sort of level, you know, that sort of level where the shoes are just so coveted because they also relate to, you know, the highest apex of performance. Quick thoughts on that. Do you have a hot take for me? Michael Jordan, the goat. Um, (laughs) You're not convinced? (laughs) Not Michael Jordan. I mean, there's others you can say, but there's one and only Michael Jordan, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. And I don't think track is basketball. I mean, one of of the things is the function of the the sport, let alone lots of other things that happen. Yeah. And you likened her even to Simone Biles, who is going to be an incredible brand for multidimensional reasons, right? Very true. Very true. Yeah, I just think it's interesting, right? Because the marketers, sports marketing marketers are trying to make a forecast on who is going to be that next, you know, big thing, you know, that multi-billion dollar connection that they can create. So I thought it was kind of interesting, especially post-Olympics, Tokyo 2020. Well, I love it, Americans. You're always touting female athletes. And <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm... <laughs> I'm in favor of all of that. So let's give some kudos to that. I don't think you're right. (laughs) But it's a lovely idea. Okay, excellent, excellent. What do we got for hit and miss today, Barbara? So let's reintroduce our guests today for our hit and miss section. As you mentioned, we are now taught, we are joined by Peter Adams, the reporter of Marketing Dive. We've had him on the show before. We love having him come back. Hello, Peter. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey, Peter. That's great. So we're going to play hit and miss and understand Peter's coming with a couple. And I have one that I want to start with because I am genuinely, genuinely not clear on whether this is a hit or a miss. Ah. And I really, really want to know what you think. So the big story in my mind, so big that I thought everybody's going to have it, but apparently that was wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The big story in my mind was that Tiffany which, as you know, was bought by LVMH. Now, let's just go a little bit back into the history of Tiffany. Tiffany, before LVMH bought it, was what a brand that some people considered the only American luxury brand. Mm. It had all the hallmark of a real luxury brand. It was started in 1858, I think, the same year as Hermes. It has culture. Royalty wore Tiffany. It was 
luxury, luxury, luxury in the way no other American luxury brand was. Mm -hmm. Now, recently, Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, LVMH, bought Tiffany, mm -hmm. and they have decided to update the brand image to appeal to the younger consumer. Ooh. First of all, they adopted the slogan, now get this, not your mother's Tiffany. <laughs> oh. So do we okay. think that now, I'm not even done. Do we okay. think that's okay. a hit or a miss, not your mother's Tiffany. Oh, and no. that was apparently plastered all over New York City and Los Angeles. Got it. And then they announced this week in Harper's Bazaar that Beyonce and Jay-Z will work for Tiffany. Mm. So now for sure, they're royalty, Beyonce and Jay-Z. You know, when mm -hmm. America's is looking for the next brand, it's pretty hard to beat Beyonce. Maybe she's yes. not an athlete, but she's a brand. She's a huge um, brand. And now she's working for Tiffany, but she does a lot of other things. Is this the right brand for Tiffany? Interesting. And they are going to promote new merchandise, such as engagement rings for men, silver, oh. silver chain necklaces, $1,500 bracelets, Etc. Etc. Wow. Interesting. But remember that Tiffany was breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> you couldn't get more classic than that. Yeah. Um, wow. So, is this a hit or a miss? Not your mother's Tiffany. Americus, you want to take this because you came in with the next brand? Is sure. Yeah. Tiffany, the next brand oh, of the century. That's interesting, Barbara. To me, I mean, it's it's really incredible. You're, you're pointing to the legacy of a fantastic brand. And as soon as you said the word Tiffany, I had the, that blue box in my mind immediately. And then when you said, not your mother's Tiffany, I had, I had to give a bit of a sigh there because, <laughs> you know, at least in terms of like the, the creativity spectrum, uh, that's not going to rate so high <laughs> with the respect to, you know, I, we all understand, you know, not your father's Oldsmobile, yada, yada, yada. But it's just, come on. I mean, seriously, uh, and then of course, you know, I mean, let's just be honest. Let's, let's keep it real here. I mean, bringing in, uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce is making a clear statement that we're going to update this to a kind of urban culture argument. And that's a very, very different thing. That's a very, very different conception of luxury. If I think I know what luxury is, which I'm not sure I even know what luxury is, but that's a whole nother <laughs> discussion because you've been trying to teach me this for, I don't know, 21 years, Barbara. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, it, if the idea was let's create dissonance, that worked because, <laughs> because I'm, not, I'm, I'm not quite feeling that for whatever reason. And perhaps it's because I'm just so burdened by the legacy of that very kind of iconic brand. So I'm going to have to say a miss, but I'm willing to give it a little bit of time to see how they execute on this. Like what exactly is the transition from the previous legacy to, to what they conceive of themselves to be in this new uh, definition for luxury for the younger consumers? What are your thoughts, Peter? Yeah, what do you think, Peter? Are you a luxury consumer or a you're I'm sure not a luxury expert? consumer, not for <laughs> Tiffany yet. I uh, I kind of agree with Americus on uh, on both of his sort of assessments of the two aspects of the campaign you brought up. I think the not your mother's X or Y, I get the instinct to try and distance yourself from an older, maybe fustier image. I don't think mm. there's anything particularly you know, uh, sexy or appealing for younger consumers about like inheriting jewelry in that way. Uh, on the other hand, the literal phrasing of not your mother's 
uh, brings to mind like the really kind of try hard edgy like gen x type of stuff uh from the 90s right uh you know the ironic cool uh you know that was played out and it is it's a tagline that's been used before by other brands so if you wanted to have a little more originality and pop to it uh you know who who knows maybe it's resonating with people but i i kind of agree with americas that it initially just got reaction bit of an eye roll for me i do think <laughs> i i do think the beyonce and jay-z component is more interesting and it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how they kind of link those two ideas together um, I know LMVH, uh, uh, however, what the acronym is. I believe they have a stake in one of Jay-Z's brands as well. Oh, interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it might be a, kind of a synergy moment for them as well. Mm. Uh, and yeah, they're, like uh, Barbara said, royalty. They're pretty exclusive and they have a very fervent following that'll kind of mm. at least look into whatever they're doing. So that's a big coup for them, at least on the ambassador front. Yeah, but one of the, I mean, I hear what you're saying. This is why it's not clear to me. It's a hit or a miss, partly because luxury is about 200 years of royalty. And, right. I mean, and Audrey Hepburn and Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, right, right. It has a certain image and that little, I don't think they're going to get rid of the blue box. I uh-huh. think the blue box is going to stay. That's certainly part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and LVMH has gone back and forth and done some pretty el- edgy things with their brand Louis Vuitton. They brought in a lot of edgy things there. So maybe mm. it's time for a new blood. And, 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 and definitely, you know, Tiffany was sold. So they wanted something new to happen. But I think this is one to watch. And I guess you're both saying not your mother's Tiffany is definitely a miss. But yeah. Beyonce and Jay-Z, that might be inspired. We'll that see. That might be inspired. Barbara, what's your, what's your conception, Barbara, on just the, the thought process in the room? for this kind of analysis and strategic decision-making is the idea that we just don't care about the, the older consumers or the, those quote other consumers who uh, really have this affinity and, and with the, with the, the previous lineage and we just get, we just want to get a bunch of new people in or what, it, what, what is the logic behind? Talk to me about that. Well, part of what's going on is also the younger generation is taking over leadership. So the CEO of LBMH Uh, is Bernard Arnault, um, and he's a genius and has really kept Louis Vuitton or LBMH as one of the top producing luxury brands, even as the market has been hit in COVID and all these other things. He's done a pretty good job on it. But now... Um, I believe, I think it's his son, but the second generation, Alexandra Arnault is taking over. Uh, young people are coming in. Okay. And, you know, I mean, it's it's always, this is a definition of branding. We've seen it over and over again. Like you said, harkening back to not your father's Oldsmobile, but it happened with, with Bacardi. It happened with beer brands and things like that. The younger consumer gets old. They mm-hmm. stay loyal to their brand. And in some of these fashion brands, luxury brands, cool brands, being old just ain't <laughs> what it used to be. You know? So you have to bring in That's something funny. young. And in order to do it, it's kind of the magic of doing it right. A brand I think that's always done it well is Budweiser. 
Mm. Budweiser just doesn't age. You know, it's <laughs> a young brand. Yeah, Even it's... though a lot of people drink it across the generations. So Funny. I don't know. Yeah. When is old cool? I'm, I'm thinking, you know, thinking in my mind, Barbara, when is old cool? The only example I could come up with was the world's most interesting man. And that was about <laughs> it. But he was cool, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway. Cars have this problem. I mean, yeah. it's just Interesting. constantly an issue. Mm-hmm. How do you keep these things? keep the legacy of the old, but, but bring in the new. So it's tough. And maybe this will, I mean, Beyonce and Jay-Z, they really are royalty. So we'll see. Yeah. I wouldn't um, bet against them. That's for sure. Right. Okay. So Peter, you got a hit and miss from your reporting. What's going on with your, from your point of view? Yeah. So something uh, I think is also, I'll be interested to see how it shapes up. Uh, initially struck me as a sort of creative idea is a GIF. The peanut butter brand is out. Okay, let, let me let me stop you, Peter. Barbara, give us the famous GIF tagline. I'm not a peanut butter eater. Peter, <laughs> give, <laughs> give us choosy, the famous. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, choosy moms choose GIF. Right? Yeah, yeah. This Remember that, a, Barbara? Right. No, my mother never fed me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't have a gets, choosy mom. <laughs> no. This kind of gets to the core of why this campaign is interesting. It is very deliberately not targeted at that how like house you know household mom constituent mm-hmm. uh they've uh partnered with Ludacris uh <laughs> and uh atlanta rapper uh Gunner, wow holy who, shit yeah a bit of a younger guy and oh, uh the wow. whole the whole concept of the campaign is they're trying to bridge raps old and new uh generation so ludicrous representing the kind of idea only in peanut butter diamond rings peanut butter (laughs) uh, (laughs) but with peanut butter this time and uh it was inspired i uh spoke to the agency behind the campaign publicist new york it was inspired by the insight that older school hip-hop fans think that newer rappers uh sound like they have peanut butter on the roof of their mouth they have auto-tuned, you know, a kind of sing-songy flow versus the very technical delivery. Interesting. So they've paired Ludacris, who's famously very fast flow, uh, with Gunna, who's more representative of the new school of rap Mm -hmm, and uh, mm -hmm. that sort of like Atlanta scene. And I just think it's a funny idea. They saw this social listening insight, the, the kind of memes about the peanut butter on the roof of their mouth. And they said, well, how could we get in on this conversation and uh, you called out their old brand positioning was what you'd expect from a peanut butter brand. You know, mom's going grocery shopping, get us mm-hmm. where the, where the nicer peanut butter brand, but they're really trying to establish a stake as being cooler um, and, and more tapped into culture in that way. And uh, there's a few aspects of the campaign that are pretty interesting. Ludacris wrote an original song for it. He has oh. Yeah, he hasn't had a sing- standalone single in years. His last mm-hmm. album dropped in 2015. So in a way, it's a kind of uh, a bit of a comeback. The song uh, <laughs> is called Butter ATL. And <laughs> but, you know, it's if you listen to it, it wouldn't it wouldn't trip you up to just think it's a straight up ludicrous song. It's not interesting. It interesting. doesn't sound like a jingle or anything like that. And he actually released it last week before the campaign was officially announced. So people were just listening to it of their own volition. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he nods to GIF. But if you think about, you know, the rollout of a campaign, having a piece of content like that organically released, get a little bit of traction, get a little bit of hype, uh, and then come out and say it's actually part of this marketing effort, you know, maybe risk alienating some people. But on the other hand, if they really liked the song, they can go, Mm. well, now I'm associating that with GIF. 
Mm -hmm. uh, I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm here with my co-host, Americus Reed. This is Marketing Matters. And today we're joined by Peter Adams, the reporter of Marketing Dive. And he's come with, to us with the, his idea of a hit, which is the new DIP marketing campaign. And I think I hear in your voice that you think it's a hit. And Peter, I agree with you. Um, I think this is the kind of category, peanut butter, that <laughs> you can play this kind of game with. And that it's good word of mouth. It generates a lot of talk. I was trying to think, I'm not a peanut butter eater. I admitted that from the beginning. But I was trying to think who is the target segment. Certainly there are moms who feed it for kids and whether or not that's going to appeal to them is one thing. But it's definitely taken on this role of a new kind of health food and people are eating it as snacks. And I would think this is a campaign kind of generated uh, towards a younger consumer, like maybe mm -hmm. a Gen Z young millennial consumer. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think they're heavy eaters of peanut butter. And I think this is the kind of campaign that gets attention. It's music, it's social media, it's, it's you know, it, it's exciting. So I also think it's a hit. What do you think, Americus? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, Barbara. I, you know what? I, I was just thinking through, I love your point about the category is the moderator <laughs> here, right? The category luxury versus versus something that is much more mundane and perhaps routine buying, low involvement. Uh, it's interesting, right? So I, I was think while you were talking, Barbara, I was thinking about the big three, right? So you got Jif, you got Skippy, and you got Peter Pan. First one oh, to be are cool. You peanut butter. butter I am. <laughs> well, at least at least those are the ones in my head. So, but first first one to be cool is going to be the cool one, and the rest are going to be left behind. So, is I guess the idea is I can might as well do this now. And I, and I think it's interesting, like when you said that, and you made the connection to the actual authentic insight from social listening. Is that okay? That's kind of nifty. Uh, and so I, I gotta say, I think this is a hit. What are your thoughts, Barbara? No, I agree. I definitely agree with Peter. It's one, it's 100% a hit. I mean, we got three thumbs up for this idea. So go to it, Jeff. Um, now, Peter, you have another one that um, you've, uh, it's fun having you on board because you're a reporter. So you see everything that's yes, going yes, on. Yes, yes, yes. Sometimes <laughs> too much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's but... your second one? Yeah, so a, a miss was more uh, product focused than strictly uh, a campaign, uh, but Mountain Dew and Boston Beer Company, which is behind like Sam Adams uh, or PepsiCo, I should say, and Boston Beer Company have come together and they're going to release in the future a hard uh, alcoholic Mountain Dew. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, part of my reaction to this is just on a personal level, maybe not being the most objective. Uh, this doesn't sound appealing to me. Uh, but it does also kind of feel like throwing a little stick to the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, Boston Beer Company, really interesting in their last earnings uh, results, basically had to uh, offer a mea culpa to investors because they wildly overestimated how much truly hard seltzer kind of their mm. uh, marquee product at the moment would sell. They, they, they massively overstated it and they missed on earnings. And then it was a kind of, ultimately, you know, a little bit of an embarrassing situation. And we've mm -hmm. seen some of that hard seltzer bubble start to pop. Um, and now they just seem to be, you know, steering further towards these uh, alcoholic beverage categories that are maybe getting a little more traction with consumers. This just strikes me as like maybe a little too far-fetched chasing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of uh, caffeinated Four loco from what, about like <laughs> 10 years ago. So what's the uh, brand going to be? Is it going to be Mountain Dew hard seltzer? Yeah. So they have And it's going to be flavored like Mountain Dew? 
Yeah, and they have these outside partnerships because there is an alcohol component. I actually think it's a more interesting partnership from the PepsiCo end. Mm. You know, it shows them betting on a space they don't have as much of a stake in. Uh, and, you know, they've tried to kind of innovate and, and stay on the ball and diversify their beverage portfolio beyond the core Pepsi products. I just think with the recent truly miss on uh, Boston beers, and this is maybe a, a bit of a jumping the gun miscalculation type of thing. Yeah, it's kind of funny to extend their brand to a soft drink. Now, Mountain Mountain Dew was always kind of a funky brand. It's not as classic as Coke or right, Pepsi. That's a good Pepsi. point. Yeah. So that's a slightly different brand. I mean, there was, I know I used to live in Miami and Bacardi um, partnered with Coke. So it was Bacardi rum and Coke, but Coke was always the soft drink part of it. And Bacardi right. was the alcohol part. So the idea of taking a soft drink and extending it into alcohol I don't think that's been done. Has that been done before? Typically, they keep those separate. Yeah, it's that's part of the reason why I think it's more interesting coming from the PepsiCo angle of the kind of more adult, you know, vice, quote unquote, category, yep. uh, roll of the dice. I, I don't know enough about the history of those companies to definitively say whether there's absolutely been uh, something like that. But this is one of these reasons why you see these partnerships emerging. There's another one, uh, the Topo Chico hard seltzer, mm. uh, which is, you know, Topo Chico, I believe, a Coca-Cola brand, and they also have a hard variant. Um, so you see the beverage marketers uh, leaning, leaning more into this space to try and capture some of that hype that's emerged around stuff like seltzer, Alka Pops, uh, yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know, and, it's funny because as alcohol category is growing and hard seltzer is almost a healthy category uh, right, within the right. alcohol on the other hand in soft drinks the soft drink market's going down people are drinking more seltzers more water you know right. some things and so coca-cola and pepsi-cola almost are the unhealthy soft drinks so right. kind of getting into the healthy alcohol category kind of right. makes some sense in right. kind of a weird way. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you also made a good point that I hadn't thought about as much as what differentiates Mountain Dew from Pepsi or Coke is that it is kind of a funkier brand. I think it makes more sense for them than it does for the rest of the PepsiCo yeah. portfolio. Do the yeah. do and it yeah, has yeah. too much caffeine. And- yeah, yeah. It, and it's a very edgy brand. You yeah. know, who knows? Maybe maybe they're mixing it up in the bars with alcohol anyway. So it's kind of like, let's capitalize. I, I just got to say, I feel like though, it's, it, you know, a lot of folks are just trying to jump on the bandwagon for a cash grab, Barbara. I mean, you're, yeah, you're a fan. Johnny come lately to a new idea. Yeah. yeah. You, 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 you are, you are a white claw fan. Is that correct, Barbara? Yeah. Yeah. But, so but it's also I, high noon from my understanding. High noons. That's one. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, now everybody's like, wow, it's a lot of money to be made. At least that's the way it feels, right? So let's just jump in on this yeah. and do a Me Too kind of thing. Although I have to give Mountain Dew some credit, though, because if any, if, if any soft drink brand uh, is going to be ascribed to an edgier kind of conceptualization, I would think it would be Mountain Dew, right? So at least it's not way beyond the pale with respect to believability. I just, I just get a little bit skeptical when these companies are jumping on like, OK, well, seltzer and hard ale and hard this is now the thing, right, Barbara? Yeah. So I guess we're agreeing. It's, uh, maybe yeah. it's definitely not a hit. Maybe it'll work. Who knows? But it's uh, meh. I'm going to give it <laughs> a meh. <laughs> well, well, let, 
we'll call it a hiss. How about that? (laughs) So, um, Peter, we only have a few minutes left, but because you do really report on things, let's talk about some of your articles. You've been I've been looking over some of the things you've been writing and you've been writing a lot of interesting things because there's all this trends happening in advertising and branding. I know you have a recent article on YouTube. Um, You want to tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, of course. Uh, So last week, YouTube uh, debuted one of the largest brand marketing campaigns in its history, uh, which is interesting. You know, it's always interesting to see social media platforms decide to put paid ads behind services that billions of people are already using. uh, And it's all promoting shorts, which is uh, their TikTok copycat. Mm. Uh, So they're putting a ton of marketing dollars to get people Uh, specifically Gen Z users and creators to sign up for shorts. And at this point, they've just sunk a ton of money into Mm. generating interest for shorts because a couple months ago, they also set up a hundred million dollar creator fund uh, to pay people to get to, yeah, to get to post on shorts. Uh, And, you know, the takeaway from that is that companies like YouTube, these established social media video platforms uh, are kind of sweating the TikTok thing. I mean, TikTok is that popular and yeah they need to pay to close the gap and advertising is going to become a bigger function in that yeah and it's a real change in advertising dollars also that's a whole different way of thinking about things well thank you peter very much for joining us today and where can our listeners go to keep up with you and everything you're thinking about sure you can uh, go to marketingdive.com where i write uh daily articles we've also got a newsletter you can subscribe to uh, or you can find me on twitter at patch adams 03 nice Thank you very much. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with the head of sports marketing for PepsiCo. Do you believe that? They have a head of sports marketing there at PepsiCo. This is Marketing Matters Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.